Join with me in reading Exodus 15, verses 1 through 21, if you'll turn in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you should be able to find one in a pocket in front of you. And if, if you don't have a Bible, then you can keep that one from us. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, mm -hmm. saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The floods, the deeps, congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone, till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your unchanging nature. Mm. 
Lord, even when we are confronted with what feels like our own wall of enemies, Lord, you are not dismayed. You are not undone. You are not confused. Lord, you you are faithful and you are strong. Thank you for this reminder in your word that you are able to do much more than we could ever hope for. We ask you to help us to remember this in the tiny disappointments of our lives or in the catastrophes, Lord, and everything in between. Help us to remember to praise you all the time. Help us to recall your faithfulness. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Music, singing, these things have have always been a, a part of my life. My life was filled with music and singing. My, my home growing up was filled with music and singing. Our car, our church, made up songs, songs to celebrate, songs to calm us down. My dad and mama are here today. And uh, one of the good gifts, my dad has given me many gifts, but one of those is that he gave me, was he gave me uh, Credence Clearwater Revival. My dad gave me KC and the Sunshine Band. My dad gave me Motown, like Stevie Wonder, and Lionel Richie, and pre-1990 Michael Jackson. Hmm. We used to drive to Bowling Green to, to rent the VHS of Thriller to drive home to Franklin to watch it. I saw Michael Jackson do the moonwalk on live television. My mama gave me many gifts and good things as well, but mama gave me Bing Crosby, my personal favorite, at Christmas. She also gave me WCVK, which if you know what that is, means you old. That was CFR back in the 80s and the 90s. She gave me gospel singers like Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty. She gave me Stephen Curtis Chapman and Amy Grant. She gave me Carmen. She gave me Maranatha and the Vineyards singers. She gave me the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And when we were feeling a little rebellious, some decent Christian talk, DC talk. My earliest memories are, again, music-filled. Watching my mom play the piano on Sunday mornings, um, not because she could play the piano, but because she was the only person willing to step up in her church and at least attempt My earliest memories are being forced to be up front to sing songs like This Little Lot of Mine and Father's Abraham. Um, I used to sing a duet. This is when you had special singing. So glad we got rid of that. 
because it was usually real special. And the Lord loved it, but we all hated your special song. I still remember singing a special song with my cousin Leslie. Her mama watches these sermons, so shout out to Aunt Karen. Of Awesome God by the great Rich Mullins. Anybody follow me? When he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the Ritz. Now those are some lyrics. Our God is an awesome God. There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fist. Our God is an awesome God. The Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for no reason that, I'm rapping it now, shed his blood. His return, it sounds, his return is very soon, so you better be believing. Right? Terrible verses, but the chorus was awesome. Right? Anybody remember? If you did not grow up during that time, you're lucky. All right? Now, it was a good upbringing. Some of my most memorable moments in church, both good and bad, revolve around singing and music. In this passage, we see God, this picture of salvation. It was a literal salvation for the Israelites, and then from then on, it would be carried on as an illustration for you and I. This process of going from death into the grave and be resurrected on the other side is the picture of the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses and the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are following after him from Egypt, enslavement in Egypt to now the promised land are are doing so, and they, they've just been delivered from their enemy, and they get up on the other side of the bank, and they see the walls of water come crashing in, swallowing up in this judgment, all of Pharaoh and his men. And what is the immediate response? They sing. They sing. They sing in this moment. Uh, the Bible tells us here, as Hannah read for us, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. They began to worship God through singing. So what is worship? Well, Paul's going to tell us in Romans chapter 12. He'll say, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by, by the mercies of God, to be present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul is telling us, if you're going to follow Jesus... Then he's saying then is that we need to have a transformation of our minds that again transforms everything about us, that we are living sacrifices, not just compartmentalized silos of life, but, but Paul is telling us that all of life is worship, worship, and that is done so by living so sacrificially. Now, again, our Default method is the automatically, what did we just saying? So we had worship, and it is to limit it to that of only singing, and we must war against that. All of your life is 
worship. You were created by God to worship him. We worship God by delighting in who he is and what he has done. And because we're so focused and delighting that he is our joy, that he, we are completely satisfied in him as we're reflecting on those truths about who God is and what God has done, then the supernatural response is, is to then what? Is to burst forth in melody. It's to sing. To sing, that's one of the ways that we worship God. Because why? That is a part of our lives. God created worship through song. As the Israelites are seeing all of this transpire, they burst forth in congregational singing. When we see this passage and we see all that has been read to us this morning, there's a few truths here that I'm going to try to bring to the surface very quickly here. The first thing is this. We sing to celebrate the glory of God. Who is the primary subject of this song? It is the Lord. It is God. Up until this point, they, we have learned what? That, that it is that they have learned God's very name is Yahweh, that he is the great I am. And, and brothers and sisters, we cannot uh, deny the significance of knowing that very truth in and of itself. These people have, have had a God, the big G God, but now they know God's name and he is walking with them once again. He is delivering them once again. The subject of our worship through song should be primarily the character, the attributes, and the work of God. In a me-centered culture, nothing is more counterculture and to come with a group of people and to sing not about each other, but to sing about God. Think upon these verses. Look at the way that it describes our God. That He is our strength. That God is our song. That He is my God. That He is the man of war. See, we love to worship a God of love. Have you ever worshipped God through song because of His wrath? We worship a wrathful God. We celebrate that He is, yes, loving, but He is also just, that He is holy, and that He is serious about that holiness. He calls Him this man of war, does He not, inside of this song. We're always trying to limit that sort of language. There was this thing that happens a few years ago. If you guys know the song, In Christ Alone, right? I think it's by the Gettys. Is that right? And it's one of my favorite songs. It'll be sung when I go to meet Jesus, all right? So you'll be singing it one day if you're there. And in that song, it says, The wrath of God was satisfied. And there was a whole group of people who claimed to follow Jesus that began to refuse that song unless the Gettys were willing to take out those words, the wrath of God. Because they didn't like to think about God's wrath. Well, you better think about God's wrath. It's all throughout the scripture. He is this man, 
this God, man of war. We see here that in, in this language that I am is his name. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, stands for his name. Yahweh, I am, is his name. It, it says in, in words like he's the greatest of our majesty in verse 11. And incomparable greatness is talking about his supremacy, like in verse 13. He's talking about redeeming faithfulness, all-powerful, holy, majestic, an unfailing Love. See, worship through song should be the outward response, one of the outward responses of deep and rich theology. Now, is there ever a time inside of our worship through singing to talk about our feelings and our brokenness? Absolutely. We have tons of psalms that reflect those things. But even typically, even in those psalms, one, who is it being sang to? It is being sang to the Lord. And in most of them, all when it goes bad for that person, what do they do? They cycle back to who is God. Because they realize in their darkest of nights, He is their only hope. Why they're crying out to him, why, oh God, I'm in this pit, this miry clay, like Psalm chapter 40. They're crying out not to a wooden object or God or goddess from the Egyptians, but they are only crying out to Yahweh himself, the Lord. See, when I was a young man, a long time ago, lyrics didn't mean much. If they had a good beat, a good rhythm. And between becoming a follower of Jesus and then becoming a parent, that all changed really quickly. As I would sing songs to Ava and say, you need to learn this song right here. Oh, got to turn that channel. Where I didn't realize what I was actually singing about. And the purpose and the text and the context of those things, all I know is it had a, a great beat or a good guitar riff or, or, or the bass was awesome and kicking and all those sorts of things. But, but now we, we must come to understand as, as you grow in your relationship, hopefully as a person, but also as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the lyrics of those words matter way more than the style that is being played. Now, even this week, I've been challenged in so many ways. I've been wrestling for several months, and I won't go into all of this today, but, but even digging deeper than just the lyrics on the page, I, I'm personally wrestling through some things because I want to make sure, as one of your pastors, but also as a member, which trumps being a pastor here, that in my personal devotion time and in our corporate time, that, man, we are focusing again as much rich theology as we possibly can. Why? Because this song is so important, and that's what we see over and over and over and over again. Verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. See, if I can listen to a quote-unquote Christian song, praise and worship song, and, and if I close my eyes and I don't know who it's from, but it, I can't tell the difference between if we're singing about God or singing about your significant other, then we have a distinct problem. 
And ladies and gentlemen, our Christian radio stations are, are filled with that sort of thing. Much like the Christian bookstore, be careful what you read. Brothers and sisters, may we be careful what we listen to. Lyrics, they matter. They matter. Number two, we sing to remember what God has done, right? If you, if you look at verses like 4, 5, and 8, you could see things like Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a, like a stone. He goes over in verse like 8, and again, at the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the floods stood up in a heap, and the deep congealed in their heart of the sea. What do we see here? We, we see not only who God is, but we see what God has done. And because of that, what do they want to do? I mean, it's like, praise God, you are wrathful. Praise God what you have done. Look at what you have done, oh God. They could not help it swelled within them to be a physical response to an inward working of the Holy Spirit inside these people's lives. We sing to remember what God has done as we've seen as Moses is doing here. What God does reveals more about who He is. He has triumphed over their enemy by His mighty wind. He pushed back the water. He confronted Pharaoh's arrogance and swallowing up the army into a watery grave. Music has always, and singing has always been part of our discipleship and learning. Is it not? A, B, C, D. Likewise, within Christendom, music and singing has always been a part of you and I's discipleship because of why? It helps us to remember what God has done. It is to help us to remember who God is. It is to help take these systematic, deep theologies and to place them into our rote memorization, which I know the schools don't do it anymore, but it's, it's a great thing, all right? Rote memorization catechizing us to what? The theology of God's Word, because here's what we know. Man, it is hard to remember some Bible verses just by speaking them, but today all of us in here who sang and participated sang Psalm verse 40 or chapter 46. That's why, again, lyrics matter. The words matter because those are often what we're going to remember. How many people today, especially in the South, have terrible theology because of the music they grew up listening to at church? Many of us can fall into that. Music is a gift from God. Singing is this gift from God. It has always been, again, this, this way of helping us to remember and to educate ourselves over and over and over and over and over again. Songs have a way of taking us back to a place, do they not? 
I wish we had time this morning, but I guarantee you, if I could ask each and every one of you, what is a song that you listen to, both Christian or non-Christian, um, that when you hear it, takes you back to either good or a bad moment in your life? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? The other day, I was in, a mall, in the mall with Laura, because that's one of her favorite places to go, and so we were there. It's Mother's Day, and she's wanting to buy me a shirt. It's weird, okay? But here it is. Happy Mother's Day. You're the best mama. And a song came out of the radio, and I'm not going to tell you what it was, and I'm not going to tell you what this story was about. But immediately, we're walking through the mall. This band came on, great band. I love their music. And it took me a time of when I was um, 18 and 19 years of age to a bad place. All, I was just being flooded with what? With memories. Now sometimes it can, you can be flooded with those memories and it'll take you to what? A great place. That's why we sing things like happy birthday. That's why we slap that sombrero on your head and shove that, you know, whip cream at your face if you go to Elmas. We, we revolve around these memories at funerals, I mean, have you ever wondered, I mean, how many times are we going to play God bless the broken road that led me straight to you? Or whatever, you know, these country tunes that get played, all right? If I hear, I can only imagine one more time at a funeral, right? Why do we do that, though? Because there's something in this music that is helping us to remind us of this person or of something that it is to come. Music is a powerful thing when it comes to that. It, again, reminds us, who is God? What has He done? Who are we? Because what, what simultaneously happens in all of our lives is we have a tendency to forget who He is. We have a tendency to forget who God is, and we have a tendency to forget who we are. This morning, I want to introduce you to my friend Henry. Now, Henry doesn't know me, but Henry has been my friend now since about 2014, and this is a picture of Henry. Several years ago, and I and I would, I would encourage you to find this. This is from a, a documentary that I've watched I don't know how many times. But I found this documentary several years ago on Netflix. And uh, it's no longer there. I think you have to rent it for like $1.99 from some subscription. But this is Mr. Henry. And I think by this time, Mr. Henry is uh, in his 80s or 90s. He's been inside of a nursing home for about 10 years. And this is from the documentary called Alive Inside. You should all go home, not today on Mother's Day tomorrow, and watch this film. It is all about how music is used in the memory of people. Mr. Henry here for the last, uh, up until 2014, I'm not sure if he's still alive, he'd been battling with Alzheimer's. And there was this social worker named uh, Dan, I, I can't remember, I think it's Dan Cohen, um, who got this idea in helping to give therapy to patients with Alzheimer's and dementia, um, he started using music with them. For years upon years upon years, every time his friends and family and co-workers and even the other people that lived in the nursing facility where Mr. Henry lived, whenever they would try to talk to him or anything like that, he would be over in his wheelchair, he would be concluded by himself, and he was always described as being just wadded up. He wanted nothing to do with no one. Anyway, he couldn't remember much about himself, his family, his life. 
He wanted nothing to do with anyone else. He lived enslaved in himself. And then Mr. Dan showed up with an iPod and looked back through history and found music that he thought from the family that Mr. Henry would love. And I can't watch this documentary without crying every time. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. Because when they place this music, and many of it is now gospel, they place it upon him. He is described as becoming awake. As going from a dead man to a, a man that is alive. I mean, literally, this man, as they place the headphones upon his hands, that he, this man who can't put a cognitive sentence, who doesn't want anything to do with anybody, who doesn't want to acknowledge, is certainly all of a sudden, with the placement, goes from this drawn thing with his eyes are completely wide. He begins to sing with these songs. He's, he's clapping his hands. He's dancing in his wheelchair. And then what happens, it's, it's miraculous. They take the headphones off of Mr. Henry, and then they begin to ask him questions about his life, about history, about anything that's going on. And this man can put together full sentences, full paragraphs. It's like for the moment he comes back to life because the music is drawn and connected to our memory. And in this moment, we have this example of seeing a dead people now brought to life like Mr. Henry. And they are awakened. They're aware. Man, look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing Look at who I am in God. And we see Moses leading the people in this sort of celebration as they awaken, as they're finally alive to the fact that God is who God says He is. I love my childhood pastor, but I don't remember a single sermon of his growing up. But I do remember the music. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. You know that one? To worship you, oh my soul. Rejoice. Simple. It's not profound, and yet it is eternally profound. I'm so jealous of people who grew up in a rich church environment with hymns. Because every time I learn one, it's like Christmas. And yet hymns aren't Jesus. But these songs can point us to who He is and what He has done. Thirdly, we sing to celebrate what God will do. Notice in verse 17 and 18. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. 
The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. So in this singing, Moses gives us an outline. Let's sing about who God is. Let's sing about what God has done. Let's remember what God has done. Now let's celebrate what God will do. Now, if most of you are here today and you don't have a Bible and you're using the journal that you gave you, um, you can't turn with me to the book of Revelation, but I do have a slide. In the culmination of all things, when Jesus comes back, the book of Revelation is really another praise chorus over and over and over again as, as everything is directing its attention not upon man, but upon this holy, holy, holy God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. All right. And so in that, we see this in Revelation chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last for with them, the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, in the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed." What we see in the Exodus is once again illustrated in the culmination of Jesus. And notice what all of the hosts of heaven are singing. They're singing this ancient song, this ancient hymn from Moses about what God is going to do. And then they see the fulfillment. And yet, what do they come back to? As long as they're, they're, they're singing multiple songs here, the song of the Lamb, the song of Jesus, but they are also singing the song of Moses. Lyrics matter. Let's sing songs that will last. There's more Christian music coming out. You could ever have enough iTunes terabyte space to keep up with. And this is, this is nothing against you listening to, to new music, okay? But let's make sure that it reflects an understanding of who God is. Let, it, let us look to make sure that it makes sure that it is theologically sound and correct. Let's make sure that it re reminds us of what God has done. Let's make sure that we look to what it's reminding us and celebrating that what God is going to do. Because there's a, a lot of fat, you all. And not a lot of substance. And it gets real popular. And it becomes all sorts of things. And, and, and there are ancient things, like Mighty Fortress is our God. Like, the, like, we need to know that. We need to know these ancient hymns that have been written. We need to sing the Psalms as, as we've done today. We need to sing even uh, modern hymns. I mean, how, how deep the Father's love for us. So vast beyond all measure. 
I don't know if, Lord, I lift your name on high, I'll be sung in a hundred years. But I bet how deep the Father's love will be. And one day we're going to join with all creation that are in Christ to sing the song of Moses. To sing the song of Jesus. One day, the time of preaching will come to an end. And some of you are like, Amen. From the back of the room. But the time of singing is eternal. Let's celebrate what God is going to do. A few things to be considered from these preaching points. Let us consider this. One, you and I are commanded to sing. We're commanded to do so. The Bible contains over 400 references to singing and over 50 direct commands to do that very thing. To sing. Singing is just speaking louder. According to the theologian, Buddy the Elf. It's just speaking louder. We see the power in, in, in this beautiful image of, of that. And, and I want us to understand that it's not this heavy yoke that is played upon us. It is, it is the natural. I mean, how many of you guys, I mean, you sing when you get a, a parking space on Western's campus if you were a college student there. Lord, thank you, Jesus. I got a spot. Lord, I sing after coming out of our taxes. We don't have to pay no money. Right? We sing about all other things, and so the Bible's commanding us to do that, but it shouldn't have to. It should be the natural spiritual response of those of us who are really delighting and reflecting on the person and work of Jesus. Psalm 96, oh, sing to the Lord. A new song, sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the patients people, excuse me, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're commanded to do so, to remember God. He's not wanting our robotic, begrudging obedience in regards to singing. I will not sing, but God is saying, sing. This is the correct response. This is one aspect of worship that we do together in this moment is to sing in response and completely naturally delighting and treasuring God above all things. Think about it like this. When Jesus was on the cross, he had to die. One of the reasons why he had to die was for all the non-singers. Not just the liars, the thief, the murderer, the prostitute. But Jesus had to cover you and I's sins, not of just commission. That's doing the bad stuff. We're really good at that. All right? You and I, we like that stuff. But Jesus also had to die for the sins of omission. The sins of omission are not doing 
what the Lord has commanded us to do. And so our Jesus bled naked upon a cross, beaten beyond recognition, having his beard plucked from his face, not only for the murder and the prostitute and the child molester, all those sorts of things, but simultaneously for the one who claims to follow after him and yet refuses to obey his command to sing. I believe that God sang creation into existence. My Hebrew people, real smart people, tell me that that's, that's a good translation of Genesis chapter 1, 1, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and it says that He spoke. That language carries a nuance of it is actually a vocal song that brought that into existence. This Exodus passage, we see God do it, I believe in Genesis chapter 1. We see people do it for really the first time in this passage right here, and it is carried on throughout history. Jesus, it tells us in the Gospel of Mark that He sang hymns with the disciples. As Jesus himself is hanging upon the cross, he, 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 he quotes a lots of things, but one of the major things that he quotes, and it's believed that he quoted the entire chapter, was Psalm, the song, chapter 22. Lyrics. Who are you, God? We sing to the glory and honor of only one. We sing to remember what you have done. We have we sing to celebrate who you are. As a member and a pastor of Mission Church, I long for a glimpse of heaven in our Sunday morning gatherings where every one of us is all in. Now, I'm not talking about running the aisles and barking like dogs and like this over-charismaniac. I'm talking about organized biblical chaos. I'm also talking about a huge amount of diversity because of the second thing is this, is that we sing together. Moses, when he leads out in this song, the Bible tells us in 50 chapter 1, uh, chapter 15 verse 1, that Moses led the Israelites in this song. And yet at the end, on the day that we celebrate mothers, what do we see? Miriam. She was not the leader, but she was a leader in the Exodus. Leadership was who? Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, her sister. We see that, that men have a role to play. Br brothers, we should hear those tenors and those basses and those baritones if you've got it. We should be leading the charge in this. And yet, simultaneously, ladies, engaging. Amanda blessed our socks off today. Except, not really. Right. It's the participation. It's this co-laboring. It's this biblical complementarianism where we are equal in value. We're distinct in our roles. Absolutely, yes, but there's a place and all women are called into the ministry. And we see Miriam and Moses. We see the men and the women joining together in this proclamation of who God is through song. Song has always been a uniting, uh, uniting force among diverse people groups, has it not? I know none of you have ever been to a bar. But the music at a bar has a way of uniting people, does it not? I've been to some really 
huge concerts inside of my life. And those were made up of very diverse people. And yet for that moment, in that music and with those lyrics, it became one voice. If you've never been to a bar, maybe you've been to a party, a, a few of you, you know, or I'm sure all of you have been to a wedding. In my small town, there wasn't much to do in Franklin. And so once a month, once you got into high school, we had a dance. And your pastor was in charge of all those dances. There for a while, even Mark Phillips and I, one of our missionaries uh, in Niger, uh, we would tag team DJ parties. Dancing in Franklin was a really big thing. I went to a very diverse um, school, very diverse. There were many fights taking place over racial issues. You had like country, you had like rednecks, country people, kind of, uh, we don't know who we are. That's where I was. And then the whole scheme all the way across the board. And generally speaking, these people did not like each other except for one Friday night out of the month. And we were unified. You guys all know what I'm talking about, right? You go to prom. And when you show up at prom, you show up at the party, and everybody's just hugging the walls, right? And I'm going to date myself just a little bit here. But then you begin to play some of our favorite songs that everybody knows. As soon as I say, turn it up, what do you do? Sweet Home Alabama, anybody? You yell at words like free bird. You yell at words like don't stop believing. Whoa. Right? Thank you. More than emotion. Right? More than a feeling. Sorry. Almost cussed. Like you say those sorts of things. Like so in, in Franklin, in this diverse place, right? So this is, uh, uh, these sorts of things would happen. Everybody's just kind of hanging out, sitting around, and then songs like, you know, House of Pain, Jump Up. Remember that one? Jump up, jump up, jump up. And, and, and us who are, don't have much rhythm, and the people do have rhythm. This was a great song for us because it told us what to do. It was just over and over again in the chorus. Jump, 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 jump. So it didn't matter your creed, color, religion, male, female. It didn't matter. Everybody just, isn't this awesome? I mean, you're just sweating, right? You're just in the school cafeteria. And everybody just jump, jump, crisscross to make it jump, jump. I mean, it just, I love songs that told me what to do, right? Because I look like everybody else. And your calves are sore and you're just wrung out and you're just sweating. You're like, you go to dance with a girl after we're like, I'm sorry, I'm sweaty. I got B.O., right? I mean, it's just disgusting. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Maybe it was, let's twist again for you. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's twist. Sorry. Rock and Robin. <laughs> right? I don't know where you fit. I try to pastor you all. <laughs> Haven't you been there? I mean, real talk. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? No one's doing anything. Oh, that's my song. And everybody is brought together. I think there's a proper time and place for that. Adam, you and Casey, y'all getting hitched. It's awesome. We celebrate that for you guys. That should be a celebration. We celebrate that with you guys. And if you want to throw out some, I mean, because this helps everybody out. At your wedding or electric slide. Right? Because it gives us all non-rhythm. Now, Eric Beeson will be back here like. Right? Mr. I majored in dance. No, really. Now, it took him 34 years to do it. But he did do it. All right? I love him. He's my friend. Right? He's, dra- he's drugged Stephanie to every, like, swing club from Louisville to Nashville. Okay? We, we celebrate. There, there's a time that we need to have some good, wholesome fun like that. And yet, why within the church... Has music and singing and all those things become one of the most diverse, like divisive things? What unites us in the world often leads to division within the church. Drums are the devil. In the 1990s, we called this the worship wars. You can sing hymns only. No, you can only sing praise and worship. Guitars are the devil. Faces are the devil. Anybody been a part of or heard those sorts of things? Right? I don't like those songs. Those songs are too loud. Did you know that the tune that we sing Amazing Grace in is not the original tune? It changed drastically. And yet, what we see here, we see congregational singing. Worship through song is meant to focus our minds and affections on Jesus in the way that unifies the body of Christ. One church, one body, one song, one voice. Man, we we would love to see our worship ministry here at Mission Church expand. We would love to see that. And I want somebody, as long as they can do it, beat the heck out of those drums in the name of Jesus. We would love to see that. Praise and worship bands, though, are not Jesus. Did you know that? I would love for someone to take over me being John Denver. We'd love to see, uh, I mean, I would love to see a diverse choir up here singing biblical theological songs about Jesus. I would love to see an orchestra, all of those sorts of things. But here's the way that the enemy works, is that we have a tendency to gravitate toward our preferences instead of gravitating toward the Lord. A big band is not the answer to Mission Church. Jesus is. Nothing wrong with a big band. Love to have that. But we show our immaturity when the music or the reason why we participate in this church or any church is because of the music. I don't really like the preaching, but the music is great. You know what that reveals about our hearts? Is that music has become God instead of us worshiping God through music. 
I've got to wrap up. We would love to see those things. We must fight the drift to worship a style rather than worshiping the Savior. Worship through song is such a gift of grace. And, and yet, what would sin, Satan, and death like to do? Nothing more than to cause divisions in churches. And this one, if we would let it, over music, over singing. Let it not be said of us. Lastly, with that, as we sing together, the loudest instrument in the room should be our voices. The loudest room in the room should be our joined singing together as one voice, one church. And anytime whatever happening up here drowns out the voices out here, there's a few things that may be the problem. Either we're being disobedient out here or we've got this way too loud. And what's the focus? So in conclusion here, yesterday um, I spent the day uh, cooking at our house, preparing for Mother's Day, you know, making some tacos. Me and my wife, we like to cook together. And so we're preparing for all of our family to come. And so um, at our house, we have a record player. We're trying to turn um, Ava away from terrible music because music died after 1994. It's a personal opinion. If you don't believe that, you're wrong. And I'm right, but it did. Um, after about 94, it just plummeted. I listen to stuff today. And I'm like, I'm old. It's a fact. I can't stand it. So we have a radio playing, uh, we have a record player. I mean, you guys realize that we live now in an age where a college student doesn't know what a CD is. It's not about 8-track and cassette tape. They don't need them. They're sold at yard sales by the hundreds now. But yesterday at our house, I, I put on and was listening to these, these greatest songs in the world, these rock anthems. You know what I'm talking about? Like, again, don't stop believing and, and, and all, all of these sorts of things. You know, I, I'm just listening to like one after the other. The one thing, I mean, I don't even like country music, but, but if you play I Got Friends in Low Places, it's like, I got friends, right? I'm, I'm joining right up in there with you. I mean, I'm from Franklin. I'm diverse. I'm listening to all these songs, and all day, I mean, we're just bopping around the house. We're cleaning. We're singing these songs, rocking out in, in our house, listening to all these just great, great songs. And at the end of it, I felt like I could run through a brick wall. And then Laura had to run some errands and things like that, and so I switched to some Gettys, um, had this conference, Keith, uh, Getty and his wife, they, they have this conference called the Sing Conference every year. And I flipped on YouTube to one of that. And this was the first song they sang. So Maddox, we hit the first slide on that next song. Our temptation is to come and to sing these songs and not consider the words, what they mean, and who they're ultimately about. And so though I listen to some of my favorite songs ever written, 
and I felt energized. Man, I can run through a brick wall. It was crazy. I, I don't make this up. I don't say this lightly, but immediately I switched to the Gettys, and they sang the, the first line of this song, and I just started weeping at my house. Anybody really fearful and think your faith will not make it? What's this Bible? What does this teach us? He's got you. When the tempter would prevail. It ain't might. Anybody this week, the tempter prevailed in your life? That means like you did it. Like he tempted you and you did it. You sinned. When the tempter would prevail, what? He's got you. You will never keep your hold upon Christ. He's got a hold of you. Through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. The object of our worship matters. Let us not be a church that just sings songs and worships the worship. Let's be a people whose object of worship through singing and all of life is the great I am. One church, one voice, singing theology so that in your dark night of the soul this week, you may not remember all the nuances of the passage, but you may remember He will hold you fast. Let's pray, Amen. Church. Amen.